0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Run Free Podcast. So glad you guys are joining today. And uh, I am stoked to just kick off a new season to you guys. So as we get into season two, um, season one was totally focused on just the internal game. We're going to shift things around a little bit, and we're going to open it up to the entire Holistic Five approach that we have at Run Free Training. If you guys aren't familiar with Run Free Training, um, it's a business that my buddy Jay and I started together. And the reason why we started is because we didn't see anything else out there that was not just concerned with the training, but concerned with your nutrition and your sleep and a whole holistic approach. Because if there's anything I've learned in my career, it's that we are holistic people. And if you're going to perform optimally, you have to look at every single component. And so that's why I'm excited about this podcast. We're going to be getting into not just the internal game, because that is important, and we will be revisiting that. That will be a subject of conversation, but we're going to be opening and broadening the conversation. So we're going to be talking about the internal game, we're going to be talking about the 1%, which includes like lifting all those little mobility things that you need to be doing that just could make a huge difference because you don't, it keeps you from getting hurt, for example. Um, and then we're going to be talking about nutrition, sleep, and we're going to be bringing in specialists who have a very uh, unique and outside perspective on each one of these subjects. And I'm sure you're just going to learn a ton during this time. And, um, I am too, I'm excited. And, uh, I will not be leading every discussion. I will be kind of, Popping in and out as a guest at times, and uh, joining the conversation when I can. But I'm actually be handing off the podcast uh, to my little brother Chad. Um, which, if you guys don't know Chad, he's one of our coaches at Run Free. He's been behind the camera, behind the scenes ever since Jay and I started Run Free. Um, he's just been instrumental. Like, there would be no Run, run Free without Chad. Um, so, we're handing off to Chad. And then Jay is also going to be joining as a co-host. If you guys don't know, Jay is my buddy he was his idea run free was all his ideas. So um, we have him to thank for that. And he hit me up. I've known Jay for like, 15 plus years been good friends for a super long time and now we're doing something that we're both passionate about together and it's just been an amazing ride so far and we're excited to see where it's gonna go so i'm just stoked to hand it off to two dudes that um you know i trust completely and i'm just excited to see what they're gonna do with this thing so without further ado i'm gonna hand it over to the host of the run free podcast chad
1: thanks bro appreciate it um, yeah, Jay and I are both super excited to jump back in and keep this thing rolling. Um, Rai, for one, I mean, I'm so impressed that you did this by yourself for so long. <laughs> like that scares the heck out of me just doing a solo podcast. Um, so it's gonna be fun. I think we're gonna have like a, a good conversation between Jay and I, we're gonna have guests on, um, where we'll chat about various topics around the Holistic Five. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things for us to explore and uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to jump in. Um, Jay, anything to add? Yeah.
2: I mean, this was uh, in part just a passion of mine from uh, the early 2000s coaching athletes remotely and delivering on different aspects, not just the nuts and bolts of training, but we all know that it's so much more about how you approach it than what you do. And so I'm excited to you know, learn and throw in some uh, tidbits and some nuggets of uh, these different holistic five aspects that I've learned over the years. And man, I know we're going to have a blast doing it, too. So super excited.
1: Very cool. Um, So why don't we jump in a little bit just to kind of some topics that we're we're excited about. Um, So for me, I so a little bit about me, I guess, to kind of introduce you guys who don't know me very well. Um, I was a runner throughout high school and college, I uh, went to university of Oregon for a year and ended up transferring to uh, university of California, Riverside. Uh, so ran all through, uh, college, even ran a little bit afterwards. I was training with Ryan in his preparation for the London marathon. Um, so got to spend that time kind of learning how Ryan went about things in his professional years. Uh, also in the London Olympics, right? Yeah. Wait, what's that? the london olympics right yeah 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 uh yeah i guess that was post trials getting ready for the actual olympics themselves right yeah yeah uh so yeah so i had that period of time uh shortly after that when the triathlons was trying to do like the draft legal thing for a while uh did the long course stuff for just a little bit just to get introduced to cycling where i fell in love with cycling Uh, and so I pursued cycling for like the last like six years or so like really went full on at the road scene uh, mountain bike professionally as well Uh, so yeah I got like a pretty broad perspective on endurance sports and uh, it's it's been really cool to come back to running having been in all these different spaces and and kind of saw how people view that endurance realm and endurance training from different perspectives um, you know, I love like Jim Ryan, right? Like his coach was a, was a swim coach, you know? And so he has, I think, what was Jim Ryan's, some of his workouts were something like 40 times 400 on the track or something, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah. He was just always busting these crazy interval workouts, sometimes twice a day. And that was just, that just totally came from, yeah, his coach was a swim coach. He's like, "Yeah, dude, you just do intervals twice every day. (laughs) And so that's what he was doing. Right. But I love that dude. Yeah. Like having that outside perspective, like looking at things differently, it's it's really cool when you see a coach come in and be implementing new stuff that um hasn't been implemented before in running and then see what happens with it you know so i love yeah. that you have like all those that not just not just running i think it's important to not just be like running's all i know and all i've ever been um it's, it's cool that you like have the cycling background the tribe background and all that cuz that's going to make you a better run coach you know
1: yeah and i think it takes like some figuring out like what things did we get right with running that these other sports or what things don't like cross over very well, right? Cause like running is such an impacting sport. Like you can't just do mega volume like you could if you're like a cyclist or a, or a swimmer. Um, but I think that's kind of the fun part is that you figure out how to integrate those two. And then you're constantly asking like, why? Why are we doing things the way that we do? And like, how can I maybe shift that a little bit to make it more ideal? Totally.
0: yeah Yeah. and that's Uh, like very much in line with like you know when I retired from pro running getting into the lifting like I've learned so much from lifting that has made me a better coach now like I was literally just in the gym with one of my buddies and I was talking to him and we're doing some like curls like hammer curls on a rope you know And I was like, dude, it does the, it's not about the weight, how much weight you're moving. It's not about how many reps you are, how strong you are, like, let go of all that stuff. Like all it's about is the sensation, like just focus on that, you know? And then when you do that and your mind goes into that and just be like, just sensation, forget about like how many reps I got and the performance into things, like just let all that stuff go. Just focus on like how good it feels to squeeze your bicep as hard as you possibly can, right? You just go as far into that feeling as you can. And that's when it becomes super fun, right? Like when you're not like walking around be like, dude, I can't believe I only did five reps of 405. Like that's just silly, right? You're totally missing it. So yeah, dude, that's what I love. Like lessons like that that I learned in the gym. I'm like, dude, if I was a runner. And I could have just like focused on the sensation more than the times and the splits and all that stuff. I would have loved my running so much more, you know, and that's with this podcast, like I, I don't want people to miss the good stuff and the good stuff is in the sensation. It's not in the performance. It's not about the times. Like if you can let that stuff go, you're going to love your running. You're going to love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool, man. Yeah, I feel like that's totally where I'm at as well too, is like, and actually I have a question I'll ask you a little bit later, I think. Uh, but yeah, like trying to figure out what, how do we how do we go about running in the best way possible? Like that, where you're getting all the good stuff, but you're not falling into these holes, these traps that are all over the place. And I feel like, uh, you know, in your mind, there's so many ways to navigate that. And there's so many things that you can get wrong. And uh, I was listening to this, one of your episode with Courtney and it was like running can be terrible if you get it wrong. Like it can ruin your life if you get it wrong.
0: You don't you don't want performance to be the driver of running. If performance is what's driving you, you're going to end up disappointed, frustrated and just probably end up just giving up, right? Like that cannot be the primary driver. you got to find something else besides time, splits, performance. And then what's funny though, is if you let go of that performance and that performance mentality, that's when you perform at your best. Like that's how you get your best results (laughs) by just letting go of all of this, you know?
2: So uh, on that kind of note, I was talking to an athlete on the phone the other day that is a run free athlete and he was telling me that he's going to run until he's 40 or 45 or or whatever until he's not able to PR anymore and then he's going to stop running and i was like oh man you're you're missing it i was like you're missing yeah. the good missing the gold and you know speaking from someone i'm 41 there's a small chance I could PR in some distances. I didn't do very much racing in, but my key distances, man, I would have to like ditch the family and like, you know, live in the van with you, Chad, or something to get done. And I'm just not going to do it. Like that time has passed. And I was telling him when I go run two minutes slower for 5k, then I ran for my PR The sensation and the feeling and like that power and that float. I can't even really tell a huge difference about you can't tell,
0: right? It doesn't matter if you're in like 445 pace. Dude, I was just running in the forest. I was running like 12 minute mile pace but just loving it. Like it felt amazing, right? Like, dude, it doesn't matter what pace you're running. If you're focused on the sensation of it and you just get yourself caught up in that sensation, that's that's where the good stuff is at. And dude, the cool thing is it doesn't matter how old you are. Like you could be a hundred years old. And go do that, and have that experience, and have it be just as cool as like when I set the American record in the half marathon. Like, dude, I can be a so, hundred years old, go out, jog in the parking lot, and have the same sensation.
2: So I there's there's a couple guys locally that are in yeah. their 70s, 80s, and uh, I watch them run out, you know, down the street, and I'm like, that guy, you can tell they're breathing hard, they're working hard that guy in his mind is hauling, man. He is flying down that street. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's totally the the goal. And uh, Chad, just to kind of go off of, um, you know, the intro uh, you know, the thing for me, some, for some reason along, along the way for me, this is how I started living where I was like, you know what, I'm going to pretend there's no barriers There's no obstacles. And I'm going to basically do things that I enjoy doing without holding back. And the funny thing is, that's actually how I met you, Ryan, and Meb, and and everybody in Mammoth. So I ran this race in Hillsdale, Michigan. And uh, I had signed up for the steeple at Stanford three weeks later but I had
0: this story. I love this story.
2: Yeah. I had no, I had no plane. I had the plane ticket. That's all I had. And I, I was newly married. I had no money. And I was like, I'm just going to buy my plane ticket. I qualified for the Stanford meet. I'm going to run the steeple. I'm going, I don't care what it takes to get there. And I did this race in Hillsdale. I'm out of money. And I'm like, I got to find a hotel or something. And I looked on the results sheet and Greg Jimmerson lived in Palo Alto. So I waited until he finished the 10K. He ran the 10K. And then I went up to him afterwards. I was like, hey, man, I'm going to be in Palo Alto in three weeks. I've got nowhere to stay. Can I sleep on your couch? And of course, knowing Jimmerson, you guys know him. He was like, sure, come on. And that led to going to running camp in Mammoth Lakes. And that led to relationship with you guys. And that that's just the way of living. Like, go for it. Why, you know, if you want to do something, just go do it and, and don't let anything hold you back, including performance. Or what if he had said no? Like, that's that wasn't even a concern. I was like, I'm going to go ask because all he can say is no. And so I think that's a way that not only we can run, but we can live that way and not have these huge barriers that hold us back.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love that. It. It's like that small choice that you made. I love it when small choices in life can lead and blossom into this really big thing. But just because like you made one small choice in that moment, you know, I love that.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I like, so if I'm thinking about like what running means to me these days, it's stuff definitely- like, like, I feel like that quality kind of gets practice in the running space where like going to a race, sometimes you don't feel prepared, sometimes you don't know if you've done everything you need to perform well, but you just go and you just like, all of a sudden you're on the starting line and all of a sudden you're running and all of a sudden you're finishing, right? And I love that aspect of like, you get to kind of practice it in a way that's very real. Like all of a sudden you're in a group of people on a starting line and you're like, okay, I guess this is happening now yeah and then sometimes like then you don't overthink
0: things too right when it all just kind of like flows like that it's like you just get yourself in the moment and you just
1: go with it and then you get comfortable with that that aspect of like okay this is uncomfortable and you learn how to deal with this uncomfortable feeling of like i don't know what's going to happen i don't know if it's going to work out but you're just like I'm, i'm gonna go find out like that's kind of the whole point
2: and and then you take that mentality of, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to find out what happens. This is why we do the race is to find out what's going to happen. And that's a mystery and it's fun and it's an adventure, but you take that in the willingness to step outside of yourself. And you put that with planning, with the right nutrition, with the right nuts and bolts, with the right mentality, and then something magical can happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's like real confidence when you know you've done the work and maybe like your brain still fights you a little bit. You're like, did I really do everything I should? Am I really ready to go? What if I have a terrible day? But you know, like there's that confidence to fall back on. Like, no, I have prepared. I trust my coach. Like I trust that what they think I can run, I could probably can't run. Um,
2: Here's the
0: secret, dude. Like no one feels prepared. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. every single person on the starting line is like I pictured myself being in better shape than this (laughs) you know like when I got here like every single person is not feeling all the way prepared and all the way ready I think that's what needs to be like dismantled on people's brain right they think oh dude there's something wrong with me I don't feel like I'm ready no one else feels this way no dude like everyone is feeling this way and we yeah. need to talk about these things be like these are shared emotions we're all having them and let's just share them together and like not be afraid of them and just they're yeah we all experience this yeah now let's go run
1: yeah i remember i remember going to start lines of either like cycling races or running races where like maybe i had like a little bit of extra weight that i wish i wasn't carrying with me and there'd be like some really shredded dudes on the line and i'd be like man i am gonna get blown away and then I'd be, like, out in the front. And be, like, where were those guys? Like, why do they look so ripped and so fit? And they're just, like, out the back.
0: <laughs> dude, it can go both ways, man. I did an ultra up here in Crested Butte without training for it. And partway, like, as we got to the end of this ultra, right, like, I passed this girl, and, like, I'm, like, way back. And, like, I don't know, there's, like, 700 people, and I'm in, like, 600th place or whatever. Uh, I, re- I
1: remember seeing the old
0: ladies walking down in front of you, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't let their looks deceive you, dude. They're fit old ladies. Or um, but dude, I was, I went past this girl and she was like limp and super bad. And she's like, yeah, my T-band's like super tight. It's like, oh, let me show you some stretches real quick. And I show her some stretches, tried to help her out. And I was like, oh, yeah, like finish strong, you know, good job. See you at the finish, maybe. And then turns out, like I go like a like a couple miles down the road, and then she like passes me back. <laughs>
1: Dude, I remember watching her finish. She was like limping like a ten minute mile up that road. <laughs> some people can limp run fast, dude. There's yeah. some fast
0: lopers or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a cool conversation, and kind of is like what I wanted to ask you about, right? Because I think like your perspective on running, I think is to me, it seems like it's changed quite a bit since your retirement, right? Like I think you probably had a lot of time to process kind of your career. Um, you know, now having coach Sarah and the girls, like you're a you're pretty long ways out from those races that I think were like pretty emotional um, at the end there. Uh, but I was thinking about a couple of races, uh, the the USA trials at New York, when you kind of smashed it, right? Wasn't the fastest time that you've ever run, but like that performance was like epic. like finishing high-fiving people along the way
0: Dude, yeah, I gotta tell you a story about that though okay right? I don't know if I've ever talked about this publicly I was just running with my buddy Mitch in the forest and I was rehashing this and I kind of forgot like how I felt in the race okay but dude I was telling me like we went out actually really slow like our first half and sorry if i mean i don't like using the word slow (laughs) when i'm like 105 and it was yeah (laughs) yeah we were like 10 i think we're even 106 or 107 right which like for us should feel really smooth and comfortable and easy but dude i remember coming through that point and being like i wish this felt easier because it actually feels pretty hard Right. And of course, like with all the guys around you, you're not letting anyone see any form of weakness. There's like, yeah, don't Hey, how you doing? How's everything? Waving to the fam. <laughs> and you're like trying to pretend like you're not <laughs> tired, you know. But really, like you're like, dude, this feels pretty hard. But then things change as the race goes on. Right. And like it's crazy when you just like continue and you realize there's gonna be good patches, there's gonna be bad patches, and just continue down the road. And the dude, it then like feeling even not good as I was changing gears and going quicker as the race was going on. It's like the faster I went, the better I felt. Yeah. But Isn't that crazy that the first half I was like, dude, I don't even feel that good. I'm not sure how this is going to go. I was kind of like nervous about it. And then fast forward to that last loop in central park is like six miles or whatever. And dude, I was just rolling. Like, I don't know what, yeah. What pace I was in, but just rolling and feeling like a million bucks, feeling like I was in heaven or something. So I think that's important for people to realize, like, just because you feel a certain weight halfway, dude, you could still have like the day of your life off that,
1: you know? Yeah. I feel like I've heard stories of people feeling like absolute garbage. And instead of slowing down, they like kind of hit the gas just to see what would happen. And then they like feel better.
0: Dude, apparently that's the story with Billy Mills. First yeah. US guy to win a 10K. He Didn't was looking he... for a place to drop out in the race. Yeah. I heard him talk about this. He's like, I was looking for a place to drop out. There was no place to drop out. So before I dropped out, and I think he came through the 5K, dude, like a couple ticks off his 5K PR. So they're rolling. But he's like, let me just go to the front. And then, like his last hurrah, just go to the front and then die a slow death or whatever his plan was from there. He goes to the front, just starts feeling good, dude. And all of a sudden he's in the mix. His adrenaline gets going, all that good stuff that happens when you race and you're in it, you know. And then, oh, if you guys have not seen the finish, this is one of the best finishes of a race I've ever seen in my life. You can see the footage like on YouTube or whatever. Put we'll put it in the show notes, we'll put in uh click on the link to to the video to watch at the end of this you guys gotta check out this finish is the most classic one of the most classic finishes i've ever seen
1: yeah yeah i think there's several films about billy mills too that show that in there that's yeah he was he's a pretty amazing runner Uh, so question for you guys, what do you think is going on there? Like, is that purely like a mental thing that's happening? Is there a physiological thing that's going on that causes that to like, like Ryan, I feel like for maybe for you in that situation, like, was that pace too slow? Cause there is that like uncomfortable thing. If you're holding back and not running a pace, that's, that's more comfortable for you.
0: Yeah. I feel like for me and I'll, I'm curious to see what Jay thinks, like it's the hit of adrenaline that you get when you do something risky. Right. So like, for example, dude, six miles to go. Um, I saw Khalid Kanuchi coming up on our group. I saw him on the jumbotron that they had at the finish line. Like why are they showing Khalid right now? He's a 205 marathoner. He's like, Oh, and Khalid's like make made up time on the group. And I was like, no, no, no. Like we got to get going, you know? So then I just went to the front just to like, keep a gap on Khalid basically. And then like things started happening behind me, people started falling off. And then I was like, okay, what am I doing here? And it flashback to NCAA championships, my junior year when I lost to Dathan and I'm racing Dathan in this race. Oh, XC, Nats, right? Yeah. Cross country nationals. Yeah. I'm racing Dathan and it's just him and I at the front of cross country nationals. And I got a gap on him with like 2k to go and Then I waited for him, dude. I was down and down. And I was like, dude, it's too early. I'm a 1500 guy, I'll just out kick him at the end. And so I'd waited for him, and I swear to you, like, if I would have just went, I would have won that race for sure. Yeah. No doubt in my mind, yeah. And so I lost, I ended up losing that race to Dathan, the cross country nationals. But that moment was playing out in my head as I'm trying to figure out like, do I go now? It's still early, six miles to go. This is a long push for home, you know? But that moment was playing out in my head and I was like, no, 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 no. Like when you have the energy, use the energy. And When you have the adrenaline flowing, like let it out. And so that's why I try to encourage people like, dude, don't shy away from the crowd going crazy and loved ones that you see on the, sh- the side of the road, like whatever you can do to give yourself a little hit of adrenaline. I think adrenaline is like game changer. You get that going, you get the excitement with the adrenaline, the two are connected. And that's when like crazy things happen.
2: So I I've had this conversation with so many athletes that, have this idea in their mind and it's a false idea and the idea is i'm going to train so well that when i get to the race it's not going to hurt i know you guys have had that thought right you've had that thought i'm going to just like destroy myself in training and then when i get there i'm going to feel good but that thought actually comes from a place of seeing winners win And when you watch a winner win an Olympic gold or a major marathon and they finish and it's like, they didn't even do anything. They're like waving at the crowd and then second and third are bent over breathing. And that goes back to the power of that adrenaline hit. And it goes back to your mind. If you've ever won a race, one of the dangers is you run super hard. You finish the race, you win, And then you're like, dang it, I could have gone so much faster because your brain like clicks immediately. And it's like you forget everything that that just happened because you get that adrenaline hit and you just won. And then if you've never won a race and you're watching from the outside in your mind, you're thinking, man, I'm not like that guy because this is hard for me. But it's easy for them because they win. So it, it looks so different. So the trick would be find things in your mind that give you that adrenaline hit without winning. And there are things that can do that. like the
0: sensation, clo- dude, it's the sensation.
2: yeah, <laughs> closing pr and beating someone you haven't beat before. like all those things, if you can dig into them, you can get a similar, you know winning sensation.
1: yeah. And I I like that um, I had an athlete run a local uh, half marathon here not that long ago. And our game plan was like in the back half, like you have to go up this hill and then it's like flat and then downhill. I was like, on those last four miles, like eyes up, like you're on the hunt. And I feel like when you are the one who is the aggressor, even if it's in your mind, like I am the aggressor, I feel like that's always a better place to be than Rather, I know some people can run scared or they like thrive on like being out front worried that people are going to catch them. I never have like responded that well to that. Like, I don't like to, it feels like a passive mindset to me of like, I'm just trying not to get reeled in rather than like, I've got like the hammer down right now and I'm going to punish these guys behind me. Uh, Which to me, Ryan, like when you made that move, it was an aggressive move. And I think even the commentator was like, talking about you like being like a boxer, like it's easy to like see a boxer like throwing punches and that seems very aggressive. This is similarly aggressive that you're just like, bam, I'm out of here and you just start smashing, right? And you're like, I'm not looking back, I'm just going.
0: Yeah, totally, dude. And here's the thing, like when you're talking, Chad, I was thinking about how, When you're the aggressor, quote unquote, aggressor, really like you're just in control, right? Like you're choosing what's happening. You're not letting, like you said, Jeff, you're not letting things happen to you, right? You're like, like, okay, I could go with this group or I could go with this pacer or this person next to me, but I'm actually going to choose not to. Right. Or I'm gonna choose to go or I'm gonna choose to make a move or pick it up. Like you want to feel like you're in control. And I think it gets scary for people when you don't feel like you're in control, you know, and you feel like you're just hanging on for dear life. Like that's not fun. Right. So like, I think being more race savvy is just like, no, no, like I'm always in control of me and I'm going to move how I need to move at the time. And I'm going to adjust accordingly.
1: I think it's easy to manage those things when you're the one who is the strongest and you just like lay the ham- hammer down, right? It is hard when you get dropped, right? And all of a sudden you're managing your own mindset of like, how do I, how do I paint this picture in my head? Of- did you get dropped or did you let the beat? <laughs> I chose to be dropped right now. <laughs> See, that's the problem
0: is you got to shift that thought, right? It's not like you didn't get dropped. Like you're choosing to run a different pace. Yeah. And if that way it's like turning and getting dropped is negative, right? Like I think even thinking that thought in my head makes me feel sad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like choosing to go slower. So anyway. Sorry. No, no, I, I like that. Um, And I think for me, like cycling really broadened my perspective on racing. Cause like cycling is just volatile. Like it takes a lot to win a race on the bike. Like you got to have the tactics right, you gotta be strong, you probably have to have a good team dynamic, and then you just have to have good luck or not have bad luck, right? Um, so for me, it's, it's kind of nice because then when you watch like a marathon, usually the best guy wins, right? Like the fittest guy is probably gonna win the race. And when you watch a bike race, you really don't know because all sorts of things can go wrong. Um, but it keeps that mentality. Like I'm always checked in, even if I get dropped, like who knows what's going to happen up front. These guys might start looking at each other when they're playing games and like, I can catch up. I could still win this race. Like I just need to keep hammering. And you just like, you kind of get out of your mind of like playing this game of figuring out what's going on. You're like, just go, like just go as hard as you can in this moment.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's like one of the outside cycling, like you only get that experience in cycling, but now you can pull that into the running space, you know? Yeah. Um, One of the things, dude, I've heard you talk about a lot that I've thought about a lot Um, is how cycling has made you like really kind of tough. Like you're just, you can just flow with stuff and like make the most of adversity because you have all these adverse conditions coming at you all the time. Um, So dude, yeah. Speak to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think like road cyclists are some of the toughest athletes in the world. I mean, these guys and girls like go through crazy stuff and it's like, you might be in a race, it's going really well, somebody crashes in front of you and you hit the pavement and that happens so quickly. You're just like, it's always just like, you hear carbon hitting the ground and bikes breaking and like, you're like, oh, that's my face on the pavement. And you're like, why is the ground so hard? uh but then the first thing you do is like is my bike okay get up start going and then like as you're trying to get back on the peloton you're like looking at yourself like am i okay
0: Uh,
1: yeah exactly you're like assessing the damage you're like hey dude how's my face look (laughs) but uh yeah i mean it's just like there's it's just the nature of the sport and i feel like For better or worse, I feel like when we get into like these groups and communities that foster certain um, traits, like you can really easily adopt those traits. I think for me, that cycling community, I mean, they're, they're crazy in some ways, but there's a lot of positive things to be taken from that too. Totally. Dude, I'm right with you too, like cyclists being
0: some of the toughest people out there, dude, like i love watching the tour de france going on right now you know i haven't caught a lot of it yet but dude i just love watching
1: cyclists just hammer in the mountains dude so much fun yeah yeah there's a guy who won like a couple days ago and they were like this guy almost died a few years ago in a like gnarly crash and it's like dude like not only like that short-term like uh toughness but the long term just like always just being super resilient, just like always back on the bike as soon as you can start training. And then you just like learn how to just take it a step at a time. You're like, I'll just start moving along and maybe I'll get back, maybe I won't, but like I need to start start down that road now. Um, so right, to circle back to the question I was gonna ask you about that race. So I was kind of thinking about that race at the trials compared to say like your Boston race where you set the fastest time by American ever, which obviously, you know, sub 205 marathon. Like that one on paper sticks out more is like just in terms of times. Um, what's your perspective on, like we, I think as runners, a lot of times attach numbers to our names. Like I'm a sub four minute miler, I'm a sub three hour marathoner. And like we hear these goals all the times when athletes come in, and a lot of times they will be like a four hour marathoner who wants to be a sub three hour marathoner. Like I think we naturally maybe project some sort of like quality to being that level of runner, like that we wanna identify ourselves as. For you now looking back, like what what role does that play? Like is it, do you view it just as like the experience was the thing that brought a lot of value to you and your career or like do those things, do those numbers bring some like satisfaction to you still?
0: Dude, all the numbers are, is a measurement of where you got to, right? It's like, this is where I got to. And then the next time you get to see how far you can take it, you know, and then you, oh, that's where I got to. It's just, I like, I like thinking about running in in terms of performance as like a science experiment. We're just getting all this data all the time, right? And these numbers. They're just numbers. And they're so, dude, can be so arbitrary. Like the, I was just talking to my buddy. I was like, dude, I want to get my deadlift back over 500 because I had hernia surgery. So it hasn't been super big <laughs> as of late, but I was like 500. That's just a random number. Dude, it's just a random number. But It can be meaningful if it is just like tracking your progress, right? And you're like, oh, dude, this is cool. I've never been able to do this before. Now I can. Like, that's that's cool. When you're just chasing the number for the number's sake, it's empty, dude. It's empty. There's nothing there.
2: there. There's some danger there, too. And I mean, it's just the life phase that I'm in. Like, I've gone through this. And Ryan, I'm sure you have, too, like retiring. You're just not... As fast as you used to be. And so you're forced to have to let it go. You have yeah. to. There's no chance. Otherwise,
0: you the best, dude. This is why aging is good because you just let go of all that other crap, dude.
2: Yeah. But <laughs> to, to totally reframe that progress, that feeling of progress, just like the feeling of running fast is still available. But then you have to reframe year to year or you have to find new things to try and like new angles to approach your training with. And then you can find like this little niche. So for me recently um, I am coaching a high school kid that wants to break four minutes in the mile and he is forcing me to be a better coach. And so I had like 50 hours. I tracked it of conversations with different coaches Ryan, you were one of them asking, hey, what do I have to do to help this athlete get to their goal? And one of the things that you recommended, Ryan, is, hey, we need to be tracking our lifts just like we track our mileage and our PRs. And that like, really resonated with me, it, Like, opened up a new, a new part of my brain. And I've been lifting forever. And, but I've never really tracked. I just kind of go to the weight room and lift. And, but now I've got on my whiteboard, his lifting PRs, and I've started to ask all of our run free athletes, Hey, let's track it. Yeah. And there's a whole nother world of progress. And then the, the second part of that as an older athlete is, uh, and I learned this from Meb years ago, he resets in his mind or used to his PR every year. And so you get a new PR every year. And so it's this excitement of how'd you do? And instead of saying, you know, I ran 120 in the half marathon, my previous best is 108. I'm, you know, 12 minutes slower than my best self. You know, it's just so demoralizing. (laughs) And it's all
0: all self-imposed, dude. It's all self-imposed.
2: But instead of saying it that way, you reframe it and you're like, this is a PR for the year. Mm-hmm. And then that's such a positive outlook. Yeah. And then for, for everybody listening, that's a great way to handle like your mom or your aunt or your dad that like doesn't understand running or a coworker. And they're like, I did the best that I did this year. Cause sometimes everybody's experienced it. Like you tell somebody how you did and you're like, Yeah, I got third at the Olympic trials. Then they're like, oh, third. So you got beat by two people. (laughs) (laughs) You must be bummed, dude. Oh, that (laughs) sucks. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Or you got a thousandth place at Boston. Like that would be an amazing accomplishment. But to some people, they have no idea. So just like being able to speak in a way, well, and that's a good principle anyway. We need to be able to speak in a way that's encouraging to ourselves and like speak you we got to be careful with the words that come out of our mouth because they go right back in our own ears so if we can learn to say encouraging things about ourselves to other people then we're just going to get that hit of adrenaline again and be even better from whatever we're trying to do
0: and dude that's really the key like you have to be your own coach in your brain right like your thoughts i mean you guys know i love jc like he's Says hold every thought captive, right? Like, dude, if you can do that in your brain and coach yourself, like, you got to get good at coaching yourself through everything that you're going to be encountering out there, right? And encouraging yourself. Like, you've got to be your own biggest cheerleader. And if you're not, like, work on it, get better at it because it's going to make you such a better athlete. Like, you're going to perform so much better if you're like the biggest cheerleader that you have is myself.
2: Um, so I, I've got a question Ryan for you, uh, that I think we had it at some point we are planning on covering. So talk a little bit about the podcast and the fact that you like, you know, railed on it, you got everything out. And then what's kind of, what's kind of impressive to me about you sometimes in endeavors that you take on is you're not afraid to stop doing them like the podcast was like getting so many subscribers and people are listening to it. And then you're like, you know, I'm just out for now. We need to regroup and redo it. Like talk about your mindset of like, when, when's it time to quit?
0: Yeah, dude, it's time for me personally, and everyone's different and much love and respect to everyone out there. But for me, it's time to quit when I'm trying to come up with content. Like that drives me crazy. I hate trying to come up with content because I want it to just flow out of me. Right. And so I got to that point in the podcast where I was like, dude, this is all of me. I gave all of me in this podcast and there's nothing left to give. So I'm not just going to like fill the, the space with noise, right. And meaningless noise, babble noise. Right. And also, and I know this dude, it's like, I love sharing my journey and it's easy for me to share my journey, but dude, I'm just like one person who's on this path with everyone else. Right. And so like, that's what I love about the direction the podcast is going now is dude. It's not like, I'm. it's not about me, you know, like I'm just trying to help people. And I like sharing my story to help people, but dude, like the knowledge that we're going to get from Chad, from you, from our guests that we have on here, dude, I'm so stoked to like, be a part of that to tune into that obviously come back on as a guest from time to time but like this is this is where it's at this is where the good stuff is at it it's not just me right like it's about everyone
1: jay so i know that you're interested in this like relationship of volume and speed and i want to hear some of your thoughts about it because like right now what i'm doing is i'm going to the trails. I'm going to be doing some long trail races. I have like a 50 K coming up in a couple weeks, but long-term I do want to get my speed back and get to like a marathon in the winter time. Um, so I'm going to be kind of integrating like long trail runs, kind of some big days out in the mountains with like some short, concise speed work. So, uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you've been working on.
2: Yeah. So, um, several years ago, I just decided I really wanted to learn uh, the ins and outs of running fast in sprint coaching terminology. And, you know, first, I think when when you're trying to learn something, you need to understand, like, where the problems are and what the pitfalls are. And so for me personally, as a coach and an athlete, the pitfalls of developing speed – have always been this conflict between being fast and being able to run enough volume to keep the aerobic and the threshold side of my body going as a distance athlete. And so just going down this path and trying to figure out how do you combine these two? Because I'm sure everybody has a story of I went to the weight room or I tried to sprint and then it affected my you know, tempo run. And I don't like that feeling. And so I'm not going to do that part of training anymore. And, and, in my learning on my own and experimentation and talking to others, I think the reason is like, we don't understand as distance coaches and distance runners, how to develop speed a lot of the times. And so there's really two, two big takeaways. Uh, number one is, and this is probably another podcast for another day. There is an entire world of terminology in the sprint world that is similar to like speed endurance as a distance athlete, lactate threshold, long runs, fart licks, like, but, but it's so minute. Like there is a huge difference in the sprint world between a 30 meter sprint in an 80 meter sprint like think about that for a second like to us we're like a 30 and an 80 that's like there's no difference there but the recovery time is different the response of your body is different how many minutes do you need between those intervals are different
0: yeah i can't believe what you're saying weren't they taking like 15 minutes rest between some of these sprints so
2: So the general rule in the sprint world, and I I welcome any sprint coach to teach me more because I'm definitely need, I need to learn more, but in the sprint world, if you run 30 meters and you're truly trying to work on your speed, right? If you run 30 meters, you need three minutes recovery. It's a minute for every 10 meters. Mm. So one fifties, they're taking 12 to 15 minutes recovery. Now, that's not to say no one's doing like six by 200 with two minutes of recovery. That's happening too. But that is, that's like a threshold day, right? Like, so the terminology, like being able to take your mind out of where you're at and learn a new terminology has opened up my world in terms of.
0: As a distance runner, you must have to really like time your recoveries. Cause, dude, I just know you had, high school kid out there he sprints 30 meters he's gonna be ready to go in like at least like a minute tops you know
2: so, so I'll tell you a workout I did with 10 athletes last week um, we went to the track and we ran we warmed up like normal 20 minute warm-up did some drills did some 150 strides and then we did five times 50 meters. With four minutes recovery, so I cheated a little bit on the on the minute because, you know, not five minutes. Then we took four minutes recovery and we went and did three times eight minute thresholds. We were at the track for over two hours. That's a <laughs> session. Like it was brutal, but I told him like we did Palmer cooling. We brought water bottles. We brought Gatorade. And dude, what I'm finding. Is we can sprint, we can spend twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes sprinting. It does not mess up your tempo run.
0: Yeah, tempo, that's,
2: right. that's
0: what I love that you guys do that. It's like I love doing this in my workouts too, where you bookend it, right? It's like up front, start with sprinting because, like you're saying, it's not going to take that much out of your workout, if anything at all, especially as a distance runner. And then you yep. finish it also, like with the power and the sprinting on the back end that's perfect yeah.
2: dude and and then so we did some med ball tosses afterwards three times eight maximal med ball toss and we took five minutes recovery in between those sets so that's really one idea that's the one thing i want to say but we were there two hours and 10 minutes at the track and
0: it <laughs> so was so have, much fun. you gotta have some time on your hands
2: yeah it's so much fun um but so. back in you- can be applied to a shorter workout as well i mean this is like you know experimenting you you can mess around with it and then i'll say the second thing and then you guys can ask some questions the second thing is uh and ryan this was your advice uh Mm -hmm. for lifting we're taking really good rest four minutes between sets of lifting and you know i'm a typical distance guy like i i don't like standing around Like, just, just give me the program. Let me knock it out and I'm going to go home. So we'll spend an hour in the weight room and we don't even really get that much done, but guess what? We can lift heavier and I'm not sore the next day. So I don't quite know the mechanism there, but I've just found like, man, I can lift really heavy and do like five or six sets as long as I take three to four minutes recovery.
0: Dude, Jay, I got an idea free. So next time you're in there at some point maybe try this on yourself first before you try it with athletes but do one thing I've actually done this where I see how much I can lift off like 60 seconds rest versus 2 minutes rest versus 3 minutes rest versus 4 minutes rest because it is interesting, like I do feel like as a distance runner, we have a hard time recruiting like all the muscle fibers that a sprinter can recruit or a natural power lifter can recruit. And so, because of that, we can recover quicker, right? It's kind of like a trade off. It's like you're you're recruiting all that stuff, you're going to take a while to recover, yep. right? But like I found, like for me, like my sweet spot between sets, if I'm say deadlifting super heavy and going really hard, I'll give myself like three four. Four minutes but if i take longer than that if i take like 10 minutes i exactly. kind of go cold and i don't feel that good you know
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i like that but anyway those two things i've just been messing with and part of the reason too is like some people naturally have speed like they're just poppy and you look at them and you're like man i want that i i believe and i've seen it it's accessible, but you've got to take the steps and be pretty methodical about it to not get hurt and to not have it affect your volume. Because I think the the mistake high school coaches will make sometimes is you watched an athlete run and they can't kick at the end of the race. And so what do they do? They're like, oh, they're not fast enough. And so they take away all their volume And then they put them in the weight room and then they're 15 pounds heavier and then they're even slower kicking. And so, but what if you, what if you just kept the volume up? Well, and then the opposite is true. Some are like, well, I don't believe in lifting at all. I don't believe in sprinting at all. We're just going to run tons and tons of miles because that's going to develop this aerobic engine. Well, what if novel idea, we just develop both and we don't sacrifice Either or we do run good volume, but we also do this power and the strength work. Maybe we can develop in more athletes that that really just poppy stride where they're getting off the ground and on the ground quick. So anyway, that's my idealist mindset with with these concepts.
0: Yeah, dude, I love that you're addressing it. And so many different facets because yeah, you got to be strong enough to be able to kick, right? Like, it's not just the fastest guy at the end of the race wins, right? It's like, who gets to that stage at the race, the freshest. And then, then who has the best speed, right? So you got to get to that point and be feeling pretty good. It's like a lot of this is like the Kenyans or the African guys, they do a lot of surging and stuff and people think, oh, you just got to practice the surging or you just got to get yourself in super phenomenal shape. So you're chilling at 209 pace and then you can surge super hard off that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's
2: interesting the cycling world too with, you know, Chad, you're talking about that with like developing that speed and power balance uh, and who can kick at the end of the race.
1: Yeah, because it's interesting because in cycling, like I always had a terrible sprint cycling, which is interesting because I always had like pretty good speed running, uh, which I think just says those two operate in a different way. Uh, Granted, like I didn't grow up cycling, so I think some of that is like a like neuromuscular thing. Uh, But people train sprinting really often because a lot of times that's the difference maker right you like watch a tour how many times does it come down to a sprint at the end where it's like a small group like it's rarely one guy off the front and it's super hard to win races that way like i tried all the time to win races that way uh, so, so how do people train sprinting on bikes uh so there's a lot of different ways for one you like can train capacity right like you're saying booking ending a workout But like in a bike scenario, it might be way, like you might have sprinting at the end of like a five, six hour ride, instead of, you know, just at the end of your workout. But you'd also do that on the front end too, where you're building that like high capacity, you're getting like a lot of muscle recruitment going on. Um, But another way, Jay, and this is what kind of question I had for you, is you'll do like kind of these track stand starts. So essentially you'll be almost stopped, you'll be in a high gear, and you'll start, so it's like all torque, right? Like, have you guys ever seen the track cyclists start out, and they're just like, muscle in this thing? Um, so you get a ton of muscle recruitment going there, so you can develop some power. Uh, so I've been curious, like, sprinters sprint in a different way than uh, distance runners do. Like, we, I think, always go like fly, like fly starts, right, where we're running and we just hit the, we hit it and go we rarely do like standing starts or like starts down in a block where you go through the whole drive phase. So Jay, do do you guys start, are you doing flying starts? Are you guys starting like standing starts?
2: You know, that's part of like this journey of learning the terminology. Um, I I, mean, I kid you not, it's crazy. The minute difference and then the label changes for the workout. So like, Three by, or uh, let's say three by 30 flies and three by 40 flies with two minutes recovery is a threshold or a, uh, like a speed endurance workout, I think is the word. That's a speed endurance workout. If we do five by 50 with five minutes recovery, it's acceleration and power workout with a standing start. Okay. So, I mean, to me, it's like there's no difference. Don't don't lie, right? Like this is ridiculous. But then when you really think about it, you're right. The recruitment pattern from a standing start is totally different from a fly. And 30s and 40s with two minutes recovery is totally different from five by 50 with four to five minutes recovery. So I think it's just like really. Dialing down to a whole different world. And then my goal as a coach is to figure out this new world and find out how to implement it. And I want to learn how to develop, especially in young athletes, power, because that's your opportunity to develop it. And, you know, at Run Free, we're coaching, you know, all ages of athletes. Man, I'm not taking our 60-year-old athletes out to the track and asking them to put their spikes on and wailing on some 50s. Right. <laughs> like, like we're not, we're not trying to hurt people, but these athletes were experimenting with. First, I did it for over a year on myself. And I was like, oh, I'm seeing some really cool benefits. Um And then experimenting with younger athletes, I think is the place to go because that's your opportunity to get fast when you're really young. So what were the,
1: what were, how did your own experimentation go with this?
2: So, okay. A year ago, this is my marker workout and it's more of a distance runner workout, right? So a year ago I said, I'm going to do 10 by 200 under 30. And I don't care how many minutes it takes me to do it. I'm going to do 10 by 200 under 30. And I was able to do it barely. And, uh, I took four minutes rest and I think I averaged 29.8 and I was dying, <laughs> dying. by like rep seven. Um, so after I got back from, uh crusted butte with for our from with our run free camp that was my test date and uh mitch actually uh told me to try it with two minute recovery so i averaged 28.9 with two minutes recovery and ran like 26.3 the last one
1: what dang dude dude I,
2: i have not touched that in 12 years 10 years and so, and it's all doing the things that I just mentioned, hex bar deadlifting, a lot heavier with bigger rest. It's doing those flies and fifties before my tempos messing with that. And so man, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of on to something, especially for younger athletes to develop power and strength where there isn't. Any.
0: Dude, I love this side note here that you talk about mitch like telling you take two minutes before guys you know you believe in the business when you subscribe to the business it's like Jay is coached by a run free coach <laughs> <laughs> so, like we 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 stand by our product here like we really believe and love our coaches and i think it's so cool that you and mitch have been working together dude. that's awesome yeah yeah
1: that is super cool all right right since this is your last official podcast hosting episode why don't you sign it off for us
0: oh uh, guys this is my baby Jay, chad take care of my baby all right i trust you guys <laughs> i love both you guys so much I know you guys are doing an amazing job with this. I'm stoked to come back um, from time to time, but this is the official sign-off and I'm um, handing off the baton to you guys. Run with it, guys. Run hard. I'm excited to see where it's going to go. And uh, thank you guys for joining us on the Run Free Podcast. I'm Ryan. Host is Chad. Jay is the co-host. And uh, come back and listen to the next episode here soon.